Hello and welcome to Williams Rugby Pod, episode 150 of the regular weekly roundup of women's rugby news from around the world. And we've got news from all over the place this week, and we birth. We've got Shannon Parry, the Wallaroos legend, who retired at the weekend on the pod to reflect not only on that victory over Fiji, but to her career and rugby in Australia as well. Great to have her on the pod. Also, Africa. Loads of noise coming out of Africa, Oceania, Asia, to the English League to tell you about as well. It's all coming up on the Women's Rugby Pod with myself and Rachel Burford. How are you, Burf? Good weekend at Twickers watching the uh, the men's sevens. Did you watch much sevens? Um, no, more importantly, what was your fancy dress? Hmm. Yeah, didn't go in fancy dress and absolutely regretted it. There were so many good fancy dresses. Honestly, it was so good. Brits love a fancy dress, don't they? I mean, I was I was in corporate, so I guess that's kind of were my jeans a bit flared. No, I don't, I don't even think I wore flare jeans. I should have done that. Error. I, I think I speak for all the listeners and say we're disappointed. I am too. I'm disappointed in myself um, and have huge regrets. Good. I mean, it's a positive way to start the show. <laughs> good. Uh, but no, it was um, it was good. Argentina came through and uh, and won. Uh, but a, a good weekend was was had by all. I, I know the answer, but just yeah, I don't I don't understand why the women can play that weekend as well. Um, it does make for a, a better spectacle, surely for for the fans, men and women. But uh, you had a good weekend anyway. On the flip side of that, it was a disappointing weekend. We follow that theme on with uh, with your club side, Harlequins, um, as we went into round 16 of the Premier 15s. Hell of a weekend, decisive weekend. Yeah, massive weekend, wasn't it, for a number of teams. Um, and, yeah, I was, I was watching the game whilst I was um, working, just had it on my phone. Um, yeah, massively disappointing result. Players definitely, you know, I think we're we're so much better as a squad than the result that that speaks and and that's come out. But yeah, that's kind of pretty much taken away any chance of us now being in top four, um, unless all of a sudden Wasps can turn over Bristol in their final game. Um, so we're just looking now. The next two weeks, we'll still approach it because um, you never know what could happen and um, we'll still approach it with full focus but um, but yeah sadly the result of the weekend and also Bristol overturning Exeter which a lot of people didn't expect um, yeah it's kind of thrown our plans out out the door really. Yeah it certainly has I mean on the wider perspective um, we've had this break big long break for the, the, the Six Nations over here uh, in in the UK, and then we're back up and running, and the sun is shining, and there's big crowds, big old crowd at, at Bristol. I think I'm right saying that was a the record crowd there, um, and of course uh, your game across the Heartbreak was a king's uncracking crowd there, but just really really good atmosphere and entertaining stuff. I mean there was a huge amount of, of tries. Let's let's give you the the, the details. Bristol hosted Exeter. Really cracking counter, as he said. Amarie was player of the match. He scored the crucial try initially. A bonus point try, that crucial fifth 
try, uh, four tries today to make it five points to make it 24-21. Great crowd and, and atmosphere. DMP shipped 74 points to Loughborough Lightning. Wasp went down 7.88 to the travelling sale. There's six win of the campaign for sale. They only won two last year. They've done some, quite a bit of recruitment, haven't they? Katie McLean can stay away. <laughs> I think she's actually back in the role. I think she's back in the role now. So, yeah, it's uh, that's uh, I mean, a hell of an effort. I don't know what their uh, their targets were, but um, yeah, it's uh, that's a that's an impressive season for for sale. Whatever happens now, um, and Sarah's has travelled to six ways in commanding form, despite being down to fourteen players. With Hannah Bottomer receiving a red card after scrum. Champions stepped out. 15-38 winners over Worcester. And then the details of that game at King's Home, Gloucester Hartbury, big old crowd, entertained you guys. Harlequins, 11 tries from the home side. Bonus points queued within 25 minutes. Relentless, ambitious and complete. It was some performance from Gloucester Hartbury. I mean, obviously, just take the Harlequins hat off. Some really, really impressive stuff from Shawlin's side. Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, I think just to touch on your point around, you know, Bristol with a record crowd, um, King's home um, for a, like a regular game season. Obviously, they've had more for a final, but um, I just think that's incredible that the clubs are now moving in that direction. And, and previously it was kind of, it was Harlequins kind of banging those drums to make those things happen. And now they're happening across the league and you've got all these, you know, six ways the other week having their Legends Day and all the other extra things that, Clubs are going to the lengths to make sure happen to have an incredible day, let alone just thinking about the rugby. So I'm really pleased to see that all clubs are kicking on in that respect. And I think, you know, <clears throat> there is a reason that they're at top of the league. They've been consistent all year round. Um, so didn't expect them to to not turn up and perform. I think Sean Lane Lung, sorry, has been really, really lucky that he's had all of his players return from Six Nation didn't get any broken bodies back. So again, kind of giving that nice, um, that nice cohesion straight back into it out of the blocks. Um, and, and yeah, they turned it on that, you know, the circus is all about performing in front of a crowd and they knew how to do that. And, you know, those games as a Quinn, we've never been in that position before where, you know, we just keep conceding tries and we can't feel our way back into the game or get control of it. Um, so it's unknown territory for us and, and you know, the group found it really challenging on the day. But you you can't take anything away from how good that the opposition were in, in all the facets of the game. Um, and I think, you know, a big part of that is how the whole day really does lift you. You know, we're playing game changers, big game over the road. It does lift you to a different level and, and they absolutely brought it. And, you know, big, big result and a big statement heading into the final rounds. I, I was going to say because you you would fully expect at this level of rugby, sort of the men's champions cup final at the weekend, you will have your purple patches, uh, and you will have your times when when you are on the back foot. But even if you look at the, the scoring times of Gloucester Harpy, it was just continual, and you had a little purple patch in sort of fifty sixty minute mark, um, but it even that they, they were scoring in between. You mentioned it, it, it there, just two points of what you, you said. Is consistency the key to their season so far? Because they've been able, haven't they, at times to 
certainly scare Saracens. They pulled some results against the, the likes of yourselves when Mosworth up and thereabouts, Loughborough, Bristol. They've been able to beat teams at, at one offs, but is, is that consistency what Sean has got right at the big top this season? Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, playing consistently well, winning games, or, you know, even if you don't win a game, but it's in tight margin, it gives you a lot, a lot of confidence. And when you're in that kind of zone, a team is so, so lethal. You know, I, 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 w- I say this, you know, you almost feel untouchable, even though, you know, they know they're not, and they know they're still going to work hard and they've got to get all everything right on the day. But you do have that kind of, you know, that confidence around you that you believe that you can take on anybody and you've got the calibre of players. Like, we can't shy away from the fact of how many class players they did recruit over the summer. You know, you look across the entire, like they're in, in complete. And we've been there as a, a Harlequins team where our entire pack's been internationals and, you know, we're not there at the moment, but they are. And that has a massive effect on, on the results and on the game. But yeah, consistency breeds confidence and then allows you to to play the way you want to play. Indeed, it does. Let's just get to, to, to the rest of the facts and figures. So, the all-important table, that race for fourth, is is all but over. Uh, with your inside 11 wins and a 16 of 47 points. Bristol, the final playoffs votes in the fourth of 56. Two points would guarantee them a semi-final berth. As you say, was their final game of the season. Southampton close the gap on Exeter, 65 to 68 for the Apple East squad. But still, out on top is Gloucester Hartbury on 74. Who made the biggest statement this weekend, Rachel Burford? Yes, 67-14 against uh, you guys, Harlequins. Bristol beating, of course, the finals for last year, 24-21. And, yeah, what is a a very dogged uh, Worcester side? Saracens handsomely beat them 15-38. I think the Bristol result... And I think just that kind, the way in that they played to the 80th minute and, and they've done that before. They've done that against us where, you know, getting one more try just gets them the losing bonus point. And, and they're just, they have a really strong mentality, but I think what it did at the weekend, it gave them the confidence that they can compete in the top four. Cause if you think majority of the league, you know, before the break extra coming in 13 wins on the bounce bonus point wins and um, Gloucester Hartbury, um, again just kind of running away with the league and you almost feel like you're you're not going to be within that touching distance and then for you to turn over one of those teams just gives you that absolute amount of confidence to think you know what actually we are good enough to be in top four and you know what when it comes semi-final time you know all bets are off doesn't matter about the whole season because actually different type of pressure different type of environment um and Gloucester Hartbury are a team that haven't been there um they haven't been in a semi-final. They haven't known what it's about. Bristol lost a very close semi-final last year. Um, so I would say that that they're one of the teams that kind of laid a mark this weekend. Let's have a look at uh, this weekend's fixtures then. Round 17, penultimate round, Exeter host Wasps. Worcester travel to Lightning. Sale face goes to Hartbury. Sunday Quins versus DMP. Huge clash with Bristol going to the Stonex to face Sarah. Sins. Oof. Big, big old games there. Let's just look at those top four sides. Then extra hosting Wasps. Extra five points. Yes. 
Am I being nasty? I'm joking. Sail to face Gloucester. That's not easy. And you'll be on a massive high. You've been in King's Home. You've beaten the perennial finalists. You know, to, to bring yourselves back up. Mm. I think they're, play, they're, they're going to be playing at Richmond, which is interesting. Yeah, I think I just saw it um, a minute ago. I think they're playing at Richmond so then they can go over the road and watch the men's prem. Um, and Gloucester have agreed to that. So it's breaking news that's already broken. But um, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, Sale are always a challenging team to play against. They're just real doggy. It's like that classic Northern northern trait that they have just don't give up really strong around the park and they've had some really good sign-ins you know some of the internationals they brought across so I don't think it's going to be a walk in the park for Gloucester but I think you know they've got too much firepower up front and just the I think like how mobile their pack is make them so threatening um in the open loose so yeah I think it, it won't be an easy game but like you say also there'll be a lot of tired bodies from last weekend, big, massive high, how they manage all of that kind of um, element. But it feels like every time they go out, they want a performance. Um, and Sean Lean's really, in, you know, he always talks about that being their main focus because ultimately that's what's helped them week in, week out to build that confidence and to play the way that they're playing. Um, but, yeah, I think I think Gloucester will take it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it'll be worrying if they don't. <laughs> You are absolutely right. Fixture announces that his home game against Gloucester has been relocated to Richmond RFC, 11.30 a.m. kickoff, meaning you can enjoy a Sharks doubleheader down in London this weekend. He says Gloucester and Richmond for their support with this one. Rugby community just pulling together um, and be the eyes of Rachel Burford has pointed that one out. So expecting Exeter and Gloucester to get five points each who takes the points between Bristol and Saracens I don't know Stone X Factor maybe but I just think like Bristol mm. alright I'm going to go for a shock Bristol win you heard it here first Bristol to beat Saracens out of the stand no, let Three me down games. I'm going with Saracens. I don't think it's going to be too far away from where it is now. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not sure this, the leaders will change. If Bristol do win, I think probably um, Saris will get like a lo- losing bonus point. So they'll always just keep neck and neck with one another for the last two rounds. But I reckon that's what we're looking at. You're looking at Gloucester Hartbury. Bristol. Mm-hmm. And then a Saracens versus Exeter. The other thing I wanted to uh, discuss was obviously the news this week: uh, wasps on the men's side, which which has an effect um, on on the on the women's side slightly, I, I think. Um, but where to now for for wasps? Already the migration is happening to to Ealing. Um, where to now for for wasps and those players? Um, do you know what? I, I wish I knew the ins and outs of it, but I think. Naturally, right here, right now, there's going to be players that just want to play rugby. And I think, you know, it's a massive amount of respect to the group who've stuck by each other throughout this whole season when it's been so, so challenging. Um, you know, even challenges on the back of the end of last season. But 
for them to stay united and keep turning the team out no matter what the result is and just keep turning up and being part of the league you know huge amounts of respect but at the same time you know and and that group of players are really passionate about wasps you know they they have such a, a strong culture within the club um it's not like but, Hannah Edwards it's been there since the dawn of time yeah and there'll be some players that don't want to play at a different club but might be forced to and and well they are if they want to play at this level um and then the future is really unknown isn't it it's you know really challenging both in the men's but also in the women's you know where where can they start to rebuild if there's ambition to even get the club you know the famous club of wasp back into that kind of category when you know what you're going out to to face week in week out mm-hmm. and it takes it takes some mental strength that and, and fair dues to uh, to all those wasps players i'm mohan and you're listening to the women's rugby pod Few international fixtures at the weekend, but none drew more media attention than the Australia-Fiji game, mainly due to the retirement of Wallaroo 13 years, a legend of the game, Shannon Parry, the Wallaroo's captain for many a year. It was a fantastic backdrop as the Wallaroos beat Fiji at 22 points to five. I'm delighted to say that Shannon Perry joined me a little bit earlier on, spoke all things Australian rugby, but also a little bit about her Wallaroo career and, of course, signing off at the weekend. What a huge, huge honour it is to have, well, yeah, legend, uh, I think is is appropriate. There's certainly been plenty of lovely comments, and quite rightly so, banning around social media this week for you, Shannon Perry. Thank you so much for joining us on the on the Women's Rugby Pod. How are you? Um, I quite often ask this question, sort of cloud nine or, or sort of just, just drifting down? No, nah, just drifting down. It's been a, a massive two weeks for me and my family, and for me it's sort of, you know, back to work now and doing my, my new passion in coaching. So... Yeah, sort of off the high of the weekend in, in getting that result for the Wallaroos and the win over Fiji, which was a great start to the season. But for now, it's sort of coming back to reality and, yeah, getting putting the feet up as well as working hard. So what that was all of, what, 48 hours before you, you – do you change tracksuit from player to coach? Is there a different tracksuit for <laughs> uh, for coaches? <laughs> yeah. Change it into another straight, straight, straight into the new job. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much uh, in the Wallaroos tracksuit on on Saturday night, and then uh, back with Rugby Australia in the sevens tracksuit uh, on Monday. So, but no, I I've been in the role for two years now, and I love what I do um, and passing on my knowledge to the to the future generations. And yeah, love getting back there amongst it and seeing the smiles on the kids' faces is something really special. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Tim Walsh has got a decent smile on him as well. What a <laughs> cracking fella, cracking fella he is. Um, yeah, what a great environment. Look, we were whizzing and looking ahead. Um, I want to just stop. We will sort of revisit sort of going forward and, and touching on the, yeah, the, the new coaching role and what have you. But um, just want to just, just look back at the weekend. As you say, a really, really good win over Fiji. How was it for you? Because 
yeah, we, we've spoken to Sarah Hunter, who's obviously a co-host here on the, on the WRP, and she, she retired on kind of on her own terms. And it, and it seemed like a, a similar story for for you. It's rare you're able to do that, but did it live up to everything you wanted it to, to live up to? Yeah, I was really fortunate enough to obviously be in the Sevens program for so long, and I was able to finish there on my terms. And when I came back to 15s after that, I was, you know, I was pretty set on, and I wanted to be in control of my destiny and fortunate enough that I was obviously on Saturday night. And for me, I was I was lucky in a sense that, you know, we're obviously able to play at home our first test match of the year. So for me, that was a, a fitting farewell um, to have family and friends at home and to have them in the crowd then. It was a, a great crowd there at Allianz as well. So for me, it was a, a really special moment to, to finish my career. I've only played in Australia a handful of times throughout my years and to finish it there on my terms was something that I was happy with, I was content with. Um, I know some people were sort of like, why don't you keep playing? But for me, the, the time was right and it, the, the youth of the squad is in, in good hands. So, yeah, for me, it was the right time. And was the best moment when all the players went off and coaches say in the ice bath and you went, no, not for me. <laughs> oh, thanks very much. I actually, um, yeah, it was it was a really magical night, to be honest. I couldn't have sort of written it a, a different way. Obviously, getting the win and um, chaired off the field was something very special. And, you know, going back into the change room, the, the manager's like, ice pass has got to be done. And for me, I just cracked open a beer and just sat there for, for a couple of minutes by myself and just sort of, I guess reflected on what we'd just done as a team um, and for me reflecting on what a career and what a journey it's been. How, how important was that for you almost to to help turn that page? Because obviously, you know, World Cup's a, a, a natural cycle, aren't they? And, you know, it's a hell of a tournament down in down in New Zealand and, and, and as ever with you guys, you, you seem to pull it out at, at WCs. Um, how important was it for you to, to not only get the, the, the little selfish bit about you know finishing up at home, which you know after thirteen years you're more than more than uh, welcome <laughs> to to have that privilege. But um, how important was it to to turn that page over and and say to the likes of you know Piper Duck and, and and all these youngsters now? Do you know okay? Well, look, here we are, a new cycle. I've I've, I've led you into this one, and uh, and away you go. Yeah, I guess for me after the World Cup, I wasn't quite done yet. There was a bit of an, an itchy feeling there, and. I felt also with Super W, there was a bit of unfinished business. I played for the Queensland Reds. So for me, it was, let's get to the Queensland Reds. Let's make that side and let's see what can happen. And fortunate enough, this test match sort of followed on straight after that. So, you know, the body was feeling reasonably in good nick at Super W level. And I thought, let's let's give it one last crack. And it wasn't probably really until probably like two weeks before the test that I was like, no, nah, this is my last one. So it was something that I had been thinking about after World Cup. But with the decision, obviously, with Super W and this one's so close, I sort of thought, well, let's just give it one last crack at home. And, for me, yeah, as I said before, for me, the, the time's right. And the squad's in really good hands. And, you know, to get the win for 2023 to set up the Wallaroos to their campaign was a, a nice note to to get them off on a positive step. Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't going to bring up the Super W final, but um, you've... Uh... You, 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 yeah, you, you've gone there. Look, you're finalist in <laughs> in that competition. Look, let, let, yeah, let's close to that. You, you got to the final, and yeah, you know, I mean, some some crapping rugby. I mean, the, the standard. Personally, I felt from from last year compared to this year, just off off the chart. Mm. Um, 
But yeah, let, let's concentrate on the win on, on Saturday. Uh, what impressed you most about the, the actual team performance? Yeah, I think for us, obviously, coming off, uh, we only had a week together. Um, so we had a lot of content to get through and sort of shape the way the Wallaroos wanted to play this year. And it was different to how we went into the World Cup last year. So it was a, a pretty intense week um, in terms of getting that content into people's brains and people doing their extra homework and stuff like that. But for me, it was it was just like any other test week, to be honest. It was like, get the content in, you get the reward of playing at the end of the week. So... But it's credit to the, to that young group. They've got a, a lot of, I guess, brains in that group um, that really sort of took on the the new style of play that we wanted to play. And wait, we were able to play an exciting brand of rugby, score a few tries, and I think people could really like start to see how the, the Wallaroos want to play this year. Yeah, 22-5. Um, certainly Hooker moves into to the back row and... Uh... Mrs Masters had a, a fabulous game, didn't she? Um They've got a couple of teenagers in there as well. Um, Dallinger, uh, of course, you know, pledged her allegiance uh, on your side of the Tasman. Um, so, so yeah, things things are in a, a decent decent place. Uh, I mean, uh, as you say, playing a decent band of rugby without the girls who are based here in the UK. So it's a real good chance to to have a look at a, a few youngsters as well. Yeah, it was a great opportunity for those youngsters to to have a crack. Obviously, Ashley Masters there went from hooker at the World Cup last year to back row, and you know she was outstanding um, on Saturday night and really sort of took the game on. Loves a little bit of razzle dazzle, does Ashley? So um, no, she played out of her skin, and as you said, Karis Dallinger obviously pledging her alliance, played with the Queensland Reds at Super W, and um, has an Australian father, so she's she's joined the Wallaroos, which is really good for us. Um, and then another standout for me was Vitala Maleka, um, the fullback. She's 18 years of age and really sort of grabbed that jersey and, and ran with it. And I think it's a, a good headache to have for the coaches going into the Pac-4 series with some of the English girls coming back, if not all of them coming back. So I think it just shows that we're really starting to build those stocks in Australia, um, which is really exciting for the future because at the moment we're competing against NRLW and other codes that, you know, trying to retain players is being difficult um but i think for us with the world cup not too many years away now that's a, a good character encourage people to stay in the game and contracts are coming forward as well over the next couple of years which is something really exciting yeah we we, we spoke to 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 jilly um head of women's rugby c collins um some months ago and i mean she was like the first time i met her but it seemed like an incredibly positive person but she just couldn't stop smiling when she was talking about what was going on uh in Australian women's rugby and you know whether it takes a, a couple of World Cups and a and a Lions tour to 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 focus the mind. Possibly that's what yeah why it possibly happens, isn't it? But um yeah it's certainly things that seem to be com- completely utterly uh, on the up. I don't want to get, get too much too much in, in, into that because it's you know uh this chat is about you. We've spoken slightly about the game there and the different slightly different brand of rugby you're you're playing. That that final whistle goes. As you say, Annie Carlin comes onto the field. Nice speech, uh, Morgan Turinui. Um, nice words from 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 Morgs. You're down there with mum and dad, and and your husband and your brother. Um, how lovely was that? And was there any moment you went, "What have I done? This is the last time I'm doing any of this." Yeah, it was a really nice moment to be honest uh, to have my parents, brother, and and my husband out there on the field. And you know, they're people that have been with me throughout this whole journey and. 
it wasn't really honestly until about 78 minute mark that I looked up at the screen and I was like, oh, two minutes left of this. Like, let's just enjoy it, embrace it. Um, there's a scrum, so I had a look at the crowd and a few people's faces and their emotions. And for me, that was when it sort of just became real. It was just like two minutes and it's all over. So, yeah, it was uh, – there were a few tears there that I was trying to wipe away and then obviously the final whistle went and, yeah, it was a bit of relief that we'd got the job done, we'd won, but also, I guess, tears of emotion that it's been one crazy ride and, uh, yeah, I wouldn't change a thing for it. No, I, I, I'm sure you wouldn't because – and I've already showed you off off, off air that uh, homework <laughs> I've done. Here's the role of honour. Wow, how long have we got? <laughs> Uh, thirty-four <laughs> seven events, and do correct me as soon as you like. As, as soon as uh, I get something wrong, two titles, twenty-four fifteens cap, seventeen of those as captain, a thirteen-year history with the uh, with the Wallaroos, um, four World Cups in fifteens, three as captain, two Olympic Games, a bronze in the two thousand ten World Cup against France, the Twickenham Stoop, silver in the Commonwealth Games two thousand eighteen, home soil Gold Coast. And gold medal at the 2016 Rio Olympics as co-captain alongside your almost twin at times, um, Shani Williams. Um, how, when that's said back to you, can you quite believe um, just how crazy and how much you've achieved in the last 13 years and, and, and see how quickly it's all gone? It's It's been pretty crazy, to be honest. Like, I think back to 2018 when I first sort of started rugby and got into the game and had no idea what I was doing. You know, as a kid, I remember watching Kathy Freeman's 2000 at the Olympic Games and, you know, I thought, how good would that be to, you know, the weight of the nation on your shoulders, you win a 400-metre race and you're an Olympic champion. And I sort of thought to myself, well, I'm not a really good runner. I'm not super good swimmer. Like, how am I going to get there? And, it wasn't until 2018 where I got introduced to rugby and for me as an 18-year-old, that's where the, the journey began. Little did I know 15 years down the track I was going to achieve some amazing things. And for me, I just played the game because I absolutely loved it. I loved the people I was around, I loved the networks I was able to form. And I loved that really good community feeling that was created around Clubland. And it wasn't until a couple of games in the Queensland coach who was actually the Australian assistant coach was like, you're actually, you know, you're right at this game. Like, why don't we focus on rugby? Because I was playing tennis and hockey and I was at uni and I was like, oh, okay. So 2009, I, I took a chance and just played rugby and yeah, haven't played anything else since. So, but for me, it was, I got that character playing for Queensland. And I thought, yeah, I want to, I want to be a Wallaroo and 2010 and you know 18 months into the game I was lucky enough to to make my debut in London and from there the, the rest is sort of history I, I had a dream of playing one test and x amount of tests and caps later I'm I'm hanging up the boots yeah crazy yeah I remember that that side 2010 um was it Matt Gitto sister in that squad yep Christy Gitto Nicole Beck made that, Nicole that Beck. against the England girl in the far corner yep yeah, I never recovered Ruan from that. Ruan Sims was in there as well. Yeah, no, yeah. It, was just, it, it was a good side. Yeah, oh, geez, that's that's crazy. 13 years ago, um, absolutely, absolutely bonkers. What you said that you're playing loads of sports. What what was it particularly about about rugby, or was it as almost as as casual as you've sort of noted there that it was like, all right, this should we give this a bash, or or, or was it something particularly about the sport? 
No, it was it was really relaxed to be honest. I've got a Kiwi father, so um, grew up with the All Blacks on the TV, and my my brother played at school and um, he played club as well. And for me, it was always the sisters were just sitting on the sideline, just kicking a footy around. Like there was never anything for us to play. And it wasn't until I went to pick him up from the footy club and he introduced me to two girls, one being Cheyenne Campbell um, and Selena Trainer, two Wallaroos, and they sort of said, you know, jokingly, you should come play rugby and I sort of thought oh I don't know if mum and dad let me do that you know it's a bit you know I see how my brother gets bashed up every week being a flanker and um yeah I just sort of got a a text message on the Wednesday and my brother was taking me down to footy practice and basically bring your mouth guard and your joggers and we'll throw you in and see how you go and from that moment I, I was hooked I absolutely loved it and yeah, for me, it was it was something new, but it was something really challenging in different ways. And I'd played tennis and hockey for a number of years, so for me, it was it was something fresh. And that first year, I was just like, yeah, I really like this game. I think you know, never thought I would play for Australia. I always dreamed of it, but um, yeah, for me, it was take up a new challenge, meet some new people, and really be able to feel part of a, a big club community. And yeah, really thankful for that experience and the the players that took me under their wings early on. At those moments, and and, and, uh, we've said, you you pretty much a revolving door from the players changing room straight to the coaches uh, changing room in in the last three days. Um, But those moments when you, when you started up as a club and you had that, wow, this is this, I'm, I'm, I'm probably part of something here. Were those as good as getting a, a gold medal slapped across your, your chest in the middle of Rio? To be honest, they're very similar for me. I, I Whenever I go down to East Tribe Union Club, it's just like home, even though I haven't been there for four or five years because I'd been in Sydney. I came back last year and, you know, everyone greets you the same. It's just like the, the grassroots days where you're running around and playing footy with your mates. And for me at Rio and for me at the Wallers, it's exactly the same concept. It's just me, a footy field, playing with my mates. The ball's the same. The ground's the same. The only thing that might be different is a bit bigger crowd when you when you play on that international level. But for me, it's all the same. It's a game of footy. I love it. Um, you know, people said to me last week, do, do you treat this game any different? And for me, it's not. Every every time I play a game, I do the same stuff, the same routine. And for me, last week was no different. I didn't change anything. Um, it was just about enjoying the moment of, of playing this lovely game with your mates. Have we stumbled across, because it's on my list of questions here, have we stumbled across the reason for your longevity? Because, okay, Australia's got a lot better weather than than we have here in the UK, certainly, but there are lots and lots of dark moments and you know whether that be injury or you know the sacrifices you make with mates and family and 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 all that kind of stuff is the fact that you've cheated it sounds like pretty much every game and every experience with you know this is this is a great game and you're just doing you know enjoying something you love with with your mates is that possibly one of the reasons one of the main reasons for for your longevity because 13 years is extraordinary yeah, I think massively. Like when I signed a contract to join the Sevens, I always said to myself, when this becomes a job, it's time to to give it away. And, you know, for me, I treated every day like an opportunity to be a, to be a better person, a better athlete. Um, and obviously with Tim Walsh at the realm, he he really encouraged that. To, you've got to love what you do. Um, you've got to buy into the team and the philosophies. And that was our family. That was, that was part of being it. And for me, 
all the time. It was like when it became too hard, it was time to give it away. The love and the passion's not there. And um, for me now, I'm lucky enough to continue on with coaching and that that is my love and my passion. I was a teacher for four years full-time before I went to Sydney okay. and embarked on a professional rugby sevens career. So for me, I, I was going to go back into teaching, but then after Tokyo, an opportunity came with Rugby Australia to take over the Australian youth team with sevens. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to now passing on my passion um, and my expertise to, to the future generation and hopefully they love the game as much as I do. You're, 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 you're fabulous. You're so like the proper greats of women's rugby who, however you try and ask them about themselves, they deflect and talk about the future and, and, and other people and teammates and what have you. I want to ask you just how cool it is to be an Olympic champion. I mean, just literally the stuff that, that kids and uh, uh, you know, dreams are, are made of. We'll go on to the future and, and the coaching job in just a moment. But I, I've got to ask you just how cool is that to, to be an Olympic champion? Where's where's the medal framed? Tell me it's framed. <laughs> it's actually um, it's actually a really, how do I explain it? Being an Olympic champion is something that's so special and it's always something that I really struggle to put into words because that group of people literally took a chance to move to Sydney for two years to train full time on minimal coin to make it work to become Olympic champion. And two years in, we did that. We The carrot was dangling there off the crossbar, as Tim Walsh would say at halftime. It's there on that crossbar. It's dangling there. You've just got to go and get it. And, you know, that final moment when the, the whistle blew against the Kiwis and it was almost a sheer relief. Like we'd given absolutely everything day in, day out to become Olympic champion. And when they, they put the medal around your neck, you know, it's a it's a beautiful piece of silverware. And for me, it was like we did it. Like we did come here to achieve an Olympic gold medal and we'd absolutely done it. And I guess for me, it was a bit back to Kathy Freeman and the 400. Like she did it and I did it. So for me, it was a it was a massive moment in my career. And I had my family and friend there, friends there and the green and gold army in the grandstand with a few Brazilians in there as well to give us a bit of extra green and gold. So... But no, it was a, a massive feat for myself personally to get there. And, you know, we have a lot of highs and lows throughout, you know, that period of time. But to get there and achieve that success and, and really create something on the Australian women's sporting, I guess, map um, and really start to change the way society sort of thinks about women's rugby and women's sport, which was, was something pretty cool as well. I mean, how, how cool that you're inspired by Kathy Freeman. And that was that was Sydney Olympics, wasn't it? Yeah, Sydney 2000. That was sort yeah. of my first real... She, put the, she um, did the torch, didn't memory. she? Or, or came out yeah. with the torch, didn't she? Oh, she wore the, the zoot suit. Yeah. The zoot suit, the full like, cat woman suit. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty so... crazy. Oh, and then... Oh, my word. And then, what, 16 years later, you're, you're, you're grabbing a gold yourself. Oh, how cool is yeah, that, Sam pretty... and Parry? Yeah. Wow. Was, oh, that's got, that's cool. actually got you know, I, I said to myself when... Yeah, when the opportunity came to to move to Sydney and I was teaching and just secured a full-time role because we were sort of training and then going to work and then back to training. It was all like casual stuff. There was no contracts. There was no nothing back then. And I said to the school, I said, because I only signed a one-year contract, that's all you were able to sign. I said, can you hold my job for 12 months? I might be back. And they said, where are you going? I said, oh, 
got this crazy idea. I'm going to move to Sydney. I'm going to chase Olympic gold medal and just see what happens. And they said, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll hold your job for 12 months. 13 or nine years later, I, I came back. So, um, yeah, I guess for me it was take a chance. How many Olympians do you personally know? How many Olympians do you know that have a gold medal? You know, to get to an Olympic Games is a, you know, you're sort of that that really elite part of society. So that was sort of something that really carried me on to be like, I want to be an Olympian. I want to win an Olympic gold medal. And with Tim Wallace, that's all our, our language was all around that gold medal. Everything was, every day was to be better person, be a better athlete to win that Olympic gold medal for that that two years leading in. Wow. How fantastic to to achieve your dreams or, or to, to, to achieve what you, you've set out. Um, even on a day-to-day basis, people struggle with that. That's... Um... That's quite incredible. What's your favourite game of 15s? Favourite game of 15s would have to be the World Cup last year. Um, playing the Kiwis in that first game wasn't the the result we wanted. But for me personally, to see like Eden Park basically sold out to the rafters, women's test, like for me that was a, a moment in time that I was like, I looked up to the stand and I was like, wow, this is women's rugby now. This this game is sold out. It's the first game. We're playing the Black Ferns in Eden Park. Uh, for me, like gives me goosebumps just now talking about it. It was a, yeah, it was a massive moment to realise for me how far the game had come. You know, I think back to 2010, we played in Surrey, London, and they sort of had... um like temporary bleachers up here and there, or some people just stand around the field and to think, yeah. you know, it's a, uni- a university ground, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, sports park. Yeah, yeah, it was university. Oh, sad, was not like, it? Yeah. Yeah, and we stayed in the, the university park accommodation. and But for me, it was just the amount of people that were there to all watch this one game. I just, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like you see that for a men's game from Bledisloe, they sell it out. This is a women's rugby game. The first game of the World Cup, it's bang, Eden Park, and the people just coming through the gates. It was just crazy. Just dusting your hands off. My work here is done. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> a gold medal. Is, uh, you didn't tell me. Is it framed or not? Is it in the sock drawer? No, it's actually just in this closet here just behind me or to, to the side of me. So it's it's it. something that comes out every now and then. So. I did think about getting it framed when I came back from Rio, but people sort of said, oh, do you really want that hanging on the wall? And I sort of thought, oh, I guess if someone ever breaks in, they might steal it. Um, but no, it's it's in its little box in, in the closet there and it gets moved every now and then just in case somebody does happen to break in and find it. <laughs> um, I, I'm going to fire you with a, with a couple of quick fire ones. Best ground? Uh, Allianz Stadium in Sydney. We've done best match, best memory. Best memory would have to be uh, Rio 2016 in Deodora. Best roommate. Oh, that's a hard one. Yeah. I'd probably have to say Elia Green on the seven series because I had her for so long. So that's probably why. Oh, there you are. Uh, <laughs> toughest opponent. Toughest opponent. Um, in terms of team or individual? Do, let's do both, A and B, yeah. Do both. I think, you know, it'd have to be the, the Black Ferns, what they've been able to create there, the legacy. And for me, playing sevens for so long would have to be um, Sarah Hildeny. She was a, an absolute true 
true contest. Um, it was always a, a tough battle against her and utmost respect for, for what she's been able to do for the New Zealand game over there as well. Oh, yeah, she's a legend. Yeah, a lot of yeah. time for Sarah here. Um, certainly the game that keeps you awake at night. Game that keeps you awake at night. The one that got away. It'd probably have to be the first time we played in Sydney. Um, you know, first time at home, 2017, I think it was. Uh, and we we just flopped. We didn't we didn't perform well. And it was the first time for us actually playing at home. So there's a lot of pressure, a lot of expectation. And yeah, for us, we got knocked out in the quarters or the semis, I think it was. And yeah, we just didn't handle the emotion that was with playing at home for the first time and the expectations of winning. And yeah, for me, that's one that was sort of, yeah, got away from us. Best night out after a game. Uh, it was probably Saturday night. Um, absolutely loved it. It was a, a great night with everyone, family and friends. And if not that, it was the probably the week after winning that gold medal in Rio. It was not a night. It was more of a week, which was very exciting. Perfect. And we should leave that there because what goes on. Yeah. Uh, and last one. Biggest thing you'll take from your playing days. I think for me, just the the mates, um, the camaraderie and the relationships I've been able to to form. You know, I've got friends all around the world now. And I think a big part about rugby is that that community and the community you become a part of. And I guess for me, it's it's that that kept me in the game so long. It was the people I was surrounded with. And for me, it's it's that that kept me in the game. And I, I love it. You know, I've obviously announced my retirement and the amount of people that I might not have seen for a couple of years, but they've dropped me a message and said, congratulations. And it, it's those people that you remember. Oh, you know, I played with you at East 10 years ago and did this and did that. And yeah, for me, it's the it's the mates and the friendships that I've made along the way that have made it so special to me. You did touch on it though as we, we we begin to to, to wrap up you, you touched on it slightly earlier that with yeah that came against the, the black ferns at eden park and the, the world cup can you quite believe um and we sort of begin to look more to, towards the future now but you quite believe how far women's rugby has come not only in, in australia but but globally I think for me, when I first got into the game, it was just like, it's just another sport. It's just another woman's sport that, you know, people don't really support and they don't really get behind. And, you know, as I said before, off the back of 2016, that for us in Australia, that sort of started to create a a bit of momentum around women's sport. And then you look at the World Cup last year, like where it's come from 2010 to 2021 or 20 was 22, 22, I think it was. Um, it's a phenomenal feat for the game. And it's crazy to think in, you know, in another 10 years time, where are we going to be? Are we going to be selling out Twickenham? You know, look at England and um, France game a few weeks ago. They had oh. X amount at Twickenham. Like That is unheard of for women's rugby. And I yeah. think 60,000 at Twickenham, like that's a phenomenal feat. And I think you give it another 10 years time, we're going to be filling out all these stadiums around the world, which is going to be really exciting for the game. And it, it truly is a game that is global. There's, there's not many sports that can say they're actually global. They're played all around the world. Everyone's given an equal opportunity. And that's something that rugby, I guess, really pitches to the world is that you can travel the world. You can play for your country and it's played everywhere. 
it, it, it is, and I think it's slightly unique it, against the, the men's game. Oh, we could spin off into another massive conversation here, Sharon. Um, <laughs> but the yeah, the rugby superpowers, the unions have to do it because other, you know, otherwise you're not keeping up with the Joneses, the expression we have here in England. But it's, I mean, even this week in Madagascar, the you know, Rugby Africa Championship's going mm. on. On on Saturday, they had estimated 20,000 people watching in Madagascar. Like, I mean, even if I said name that's 50 crazy. countries that's playing women's rugby, you wouldn't put Madagascar on the list. And there's 20,000 people you know, in, a, in, a, in a weekday. Yeah, you know, let alone what's going to happen at the weekend. So yeah, you're right. It truly is absolutely everywhere, and in the in these in these amazing places. Um, and you've been able to sort of experience it it, it round. Um, so the, the the new job, which yeah, yeah, uh, I mentioned it a couple of times, national emerging sevens coach. Have I got that title right? That's what's yeah. on the business card. Yeah. Nice. You're yeah. On the desk, one of those plinths on your desk. Yeah. I'm uh, actually not high enough to get this card yet, but I'll get there one day, maybe. <laughs> I bet Tim has a business card. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, you're, and, and it's a really, I mean, it, it's a tough opening introduction because you're off to Trinidad and Tobago for your first gig. Yeah. Quite tough. Yeah. Isn't it? Really yeah, it's been pretty crazy, to be honest. As I said, when I came back from Tokyo, I wasn't really sure where I was going to head in my career. Like, obviously, love coaching, and I thought I was going to go back to teaching. And then Rugby Australia said, you know, would you consider coaching? And I was like, yeah, like, I'd love to do coaching. They let me play rugby as well. Um, so, yeah, my, my first tour was off to New Zealand for World Schools last year. Um, we unfortunately got pipped by Japan in that final, but... For me, it sort of got me, yeah, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be um, when I fully finish retiring. And for me, um, obviously, this year, it's a massive year for the Australian youth team. Um, We're going into camp this week on Friday for the weekend um, to really sort of start getting the ball rolling as we lead into Trinidad and Tobago. And, yeah, not a a bad place for a a youth Commonwealth Games to to go to. That's something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. I didn't realize. So you you've been doing this role sort of part time almost. Yeah, so I've been full time with Rugby Australia since I finished up in Tokyo. Um, so I've been in this oh, role okay. almost two years. Yeah, but oh, I've been able to sort gorgeous. of juggle the Wallaroos and play at the same time. So I've been really, really fortunate enough in that that when I finished up with Tokyo, I was able to do this. And I said I I have intentions to play for Wallaroos as well. Um, so they've let me let me do both, which I'm really fortunate enough to to do that. And now sort of the Wallaroos drops off and it's ever, all guns blazing now towards uh, this program and, and what we can create here in Australia. So what are they expecting you to do now? So you've been coaching and playing. Now you've stopped the playing. So when are you expecting you to do X, Y and Z as well as the coaching? A little bit like that. Yeah, the, the, the bucket of coaching just gets filled up a little bit more. But, hey, you know, I love it. Um, one thing about teaching is the marking that I didn't really enjoy. So this gives me the the best of both worlds. I'm teaching kids and helping their development, but also, I guess, sharing my passion with those kids as well. Yeah, and, and, it, and it comes across hugely, always come across in, in, in your playing style, the, the passion you have for the game. But, yeah, it's coming right right through the, the, the screen here. To, I, I just one – last, one last thing for me, and um, – Many of our listeners know I'm quite, quite an emotional chat. We talk about England, France game. I just spent the entire afternoon crying um, at how marvellous it all was. Um, but something that got me, your your coach, uh, Jay Tregenic, um 
leading up to your retirement, just said um, you know, one of your aims was to, to inspire the next generation, to inspire girls. And I mean, his bottom lip went, and and I, I'm in floods at this point. And yeah, he said his daughter was was one of those people who saw you, you know, at Rio and doing that. Can you grasp the impact that, that you've had in your country on on women's rugby? You personally, not really, to be honest. It's been huge. Yeah, I think for me, in time, when I've I've got time to sit back and reflect on what I've been able to create um, in my game in the Wallaroos and playing sevens for so long. But for me, I took on this challenge of playing this game. You know, it's a bit of cliche in a sense of of adding my stitch to the jersey and, and leaving the game in a better place and. For me, I had this goal when I started playing for Australia, be a good role model, encourage kids, and let's just have fun. And for me, that was sort of my motto of how I I got through things. And for me, it was about leaving the game in a better place because the game back then was all part-time amateur. You know, you paid for your own footy booth. There was no sponsors. And then it got to a point now where it's like, you know, ASICs are on board. They're sponsoring the World Rose, this, 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 and this. And for me, it was about I never want the game to go back to where where I began, where I started. And, you know, the people before me as well, they they did the hard times as well. So for me, it was always about trying to grow this game so that they didn't have to go through what we went through and what the people before us went through so they can actually really solely focus on on rugby. And for me, day in, day out, it's, it's always about growing as an athlete and growing as a person, but most importantly, making sure that, you create a legacy that you're proud of and a legacy that they can remember you from as well. Boom. I, I used the word legend at, at the top when I introduced you. And uh, when you have answers like that, that's, um, yeah, you, you, you fit right into, into that, into that slot. And I, and I just, we said before, just, just hitting the record button that, you know, I, I'd spoken about you a lot over the, uh, over the years. And um, yet there are certain, people, certain players in, in, in countries that women's rugby has had to hang their hat on metaphorically um, over the last 10, 15 years. And I think you and, and, and Charlie have certainly certainly been that over the years. And um, yeah, from, from this side, just huge, huge congratulations on, on an outstanding career uh, and unwavering commitment to, to the green and gold that you've had. And um, yeah, from women's rugby, from all over the world, um, thank you very, very much. No, thank you. It's been a it's been a crazy ride. Um, but yeah, as I said, really looking forward to to passing on my knowledge to to the next generation, so they can enjoy the game that that's given me so much as well. And you continue to to live your dream, inspiring that next generation in a slightly different way. Um, wow, um, what a truly honest and earnest person you are. And um, yeah, that you, you've been you you played like that. Un- unfussy uncompromising way and um it's been a it's been a really real treat to stay up late and, and chat to you tonight so thank you so much uh shannon it's been a, a real pleasure no worries thanks for having me johnny i'm Gloria mcdonald and you're listening to the women's Rugby pod inspirational lady shannon parry great to chat to her She's kind of one of those figures. I mean, inseparable at times with um, with our friend Sharni Sharni Williams. Um, but the kind of player 
you want to keep involved, just the energy, the knowledge, the professionalism, it all comes through in that, in that chat there. Yeah, and I think, you know, she's been the player that's been there and done it all, you know, come through the ranks and built her way up into, you know, being captain for the, the Wallaroos, being captain for the Olympics in 2016 um, and previous to that as well. And I think, you know, if, if you've got somebody who's that ambitious and has that many kind of accolades as a player, like the hard work, determination and the discipline and everything that's gone into her playing career, you're only going to get that in a coaching role as well. So the opportunity that she has to to really drive kind of the next generation of players, which they all look up to her and aspire to be like her. So I think it's quality that she's going to be involved and, you know, you just can see the future is looking really good in terms of kind of keeping players in the game who have been there, done that and have the credentials. And yeah, I wish her well. She's been an absolute warrior for, for the play for, you know, the Wallaroos for such a long time. Um, you know, I'm not sure what Shani's going to do. A little, a little mate's gone. Um, the pair of them always together. Um, but yeah, no, I think you know it was a lovely reception. You know, the players picking her up, giving her a little walk around the stadium as she deserved, and having her family there. And you know, we all know that how much that means to players. So yeah, it's lovely to see her get the send off that she deserved. Yeah, a cracking old game as well, wasn't it? Um, some some really really good tries in in there. Ash Masters in the back row. You remember, you watched any of the World Cup coverage. She's playing a hooker. She's got a red card against Scotland. Putting herself around. She was in the back row at the weekend. She was in the bridge. Oh, she was absolutely superb. Very, very physical. Mars Stewart with a couple of tries as well. And Dallinger, this uh, this New Zealander, just fizzing the ball ball around. Look to look to the to the man of born. That still is a is a really really good result. And yes, dedicated to Shannon Parry. Wish you all the best. When you hang up the boots for a whistle and clipboard. Sitting near to home over the weekend in France, it was the quarterfinal stage of the Elite One. Montpellier lost to Ersen Rogmen up eight points to 27. Stade Bordelais beat Bobogny 34 19. FC Grenoble. 36 all with Stade Toulousien. So it is Stade Toulousien who go through on try scored. They scored in the 78th minute in that game. Lia Muri with that try to level it up and push them through to the semi-finals. Blagnac 57 nil over Lens. So semi-final one will see Stade Bordelais host Stade Toulousien. And Blagnac will travel to the Massif Central and ASC Rogmanar. Both of these on Saturday, the 3rd of June, so a week off. And over to Africa, the opening games of the Africa Cup. Cracking game between Kenya and Madagascar, ending 29-20 to Kenya. And elsewhere, South Africa dominated Cameroon to the tune of 87-0. Midweek games in this Africa Cup as well. South Africa all but qualified for WXV3 now with a 48 Nil win over Kenya on Wednesday. Madagascar and Cameroon met for the first time ever. Of course, Madagascar, the hosts for this Africa Cup, 30 points to 10, the home side won. Watched by an estimated 20,000 people watching women's rugby in Madagascar. Absolute scenes. We're going to try and get some reaction to that for next week. 
Round three on Sunday is South Africa versus Madagascar, and Kenya will go up against Cameroon. It's a combination, isn't it, of three years of planning and development right across the, the continent. Dad Makis in Madagascar's capital, and Ananarivo was the perfect backdrop for the uh, the first ever Africa Cup Division One tournament. Staying in the Rainbow Nation, the top-level club league, the Premier Division Round 3 took place at the weekend. Border Ladies saw off the Sharks 31-3. Eastern Province Queens hosted the newly contracted Bulls Daisies. The Daisies won 10-38. Golden Lions, Pitt, Boland Dames. Really tight game this one, 21-20. This week, it's Sharks versus Bull Daisies. Boland versus Border Ladies. Western Province against the Golden Lions. Asia Rugby's Women's Championship kicked off on Wednesday, opening up with a 27-23 win for Kazakhstan over Hong Kong, China. Now, Kazakhstan will play Japan on Sunday, and this follows after Sri Lanka's immediate suspension as a member of World Rugby due to the concerns about the governance of Sri Lanka rugby and a breach of the World Rugby bylaws relating to political interference yeah really sad for for the players because that's well above and beyond them so um yeah that's a it's a, a real shame but look it's the only bit of dark news this week we continue with the, the good news oceana rugby women's championship starts up this week with papua new guinea against fiji Samoa face Tonga, and on Tuesday then Samoa go head-to-head with Papua New Guinea. Fiji and Tonga uh, up against each other as well. So yeah, just loads and loads of rugby, sunny, shiny, those great scenes in Madagascar, great scenes around the Premier 15s as well. Hate to tell you, but we told you so. It's going to catch on. (laughs) Don't hate to tell you at all. It, it is catching on, and uh, boy, isn't it? Uh, isn't it fabulous? So then, Perth, what have you got planned for for this weekend? Well, it's got the men's prem final, so I'm going to go and watch that. Um, Paul Morgan is hosting um, some players from the Premier 15s for those who aren't playing on Saturday, and then Sunday. I might have my boots on. What? What? Well, if they're not on for playing, I'll be running water again. H2O oh. girl. Nice. <laughs> H2O technician. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, director. And... <laughs> director of hydration. Yeah. Nice. You just Bobby Boucher. You just Bobby Boucher. That's it. Water boy. Uh, simple. Is that no shout outs? Uh, but that's it for another week. Well, let's, uh, let's hope for another week of uh, brilliant results from around the world and you'll catch it all here on the Women's Rugby Pod next week. Huge thank you to Tom and Vicky doing their bits and pieces in the background. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Rate us. Only option, as ever, is a five-star. And share. Get in contact. Get your shout out here on the Women's Rugby Pod. Until then... Stay happy, stay safe. Until next time. <laughs> <laughs>